Hello everyone, welcome to Weekly Wholesome Words with Pastor Josh. It's a privilege to be able to open the Bibles with you and uh, provide for you some teaching to provoke and probe your mind and your heart uh, this week. Uh, what we're going to look at today is going to be our last part in the issue of reigning in life. Uh, we've covered uh, quite, a bif- quite a different uh, spectrum of information. I've attempted to make connections for you. Uh, in this regard, and this is uh, this is a very important matter. Uh, this is something as we proceed on in our godly edification on Sundays, uh, we will look into with more detail, uh, with more focus, uh, with more patience. Uh, whereas these are are just basically the 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 fruit of my own thinking in regards to these matters with the with a unbridled enthusiasm that I often uh, know and understand can be uh, not followed as accurately as I would desire. And therefore, uh, that's what these weekly wholesome words uh, simply provide, is just a snippet of teaching to probe your mind. They're not to settle anything in your mind and your understanding. Uh, That's why we meet on Sundays. Nevertheless, uh, they do provide for you to uh, maybe glean some things in regards to uh, things that that are on my heart and on my mind uh, that come from uh, Paul's epistles and come from our Heavenly Father. And that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at uh, a wonderful issue. Uh, in fact, the issue. It's, it's basically the, the key focal point of God our Heavenly Father, His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit and what He leads us into, and therefore ought to be our focal point as well. And that's the issue of not only having eternal life, but is the issue of being adopted, of having received the spirit of adoption, understanding intelligently what that means, knowing what the Spirit's going to lead us in, the Spirit of adoption is going to lead us in, and the purpose behind it, which is not only to have life, which is what we get from faith alone and what Christ has done for us through the redemption that he provided for us, but the issue of the abundance of grace, which come by one, Jesus Christ, that we have access unto, that we need to access by faith, that we need to walk after as the Spirit leads us. And the goal of it, and what it works for us, is to reign in life. And that expression back there in Romans 5, verse 17, the expression utilized to title these last, uh, I don't know how many, what, how many it is, six weeks looking at this issue, reign in life is specifically in the context of comparing the reign of death to the reign of life and the reign of life being greater than the reign of death. However, in magnifying and in describing the reign of life, he doesn't come along and identify it as the reign of life but rather describes our functionality and describes our participation in that life. And therefore, he he describes it as 
shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. And therefore, not only what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ is far greater and much more greater than what we had in Adam. And what we had in Adam was the reign of death and the reign of sin. But what we have in Christ is the reign of life, but the ability to reign in life, to experience in a, in a far greater capacity than we ever could in regards to death, uh, uh, experience life. And, and, and that opens the window, that plants the seed to describe and to look into at least window shop in Romans chapter 5 verse 17 what it is that this life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ is geared towards and what uh, what's involved in it and God in no uncertain terms describes to us using the terminology that he does to have us start thinking about it the way in which we ought to think about it and therefore utilizes the expression reign in life because that's what the life that we have in Christ Jesus that's what the abundance of grace is all geared towards you've already learned that you have life in Romans chapter 3 4 5 and as he concludes chapter 5 the issue now becomes is there's more to life than just having it there's something that you can participate in that life and therefore again in no uncertain term does he utilize that term reign reign in life and we've touched upon all the connections starting there in Romans chapter 1 in the issue of David and back there in 2nd Samuel chapter 7 and, and we began to look at some things in Proverbs in, in regards to the wisdom and understanding that Solomon needed that he started to receive from his father David to rule and reign in the nation and that adoption <clears throat> is going to be fulfilled in his in David's son also his Lord the Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ was going to be a son unto God and God was going to be a father unto his son and he is going to educate his son the Lord Jesus Christ in that which he did during his earthly ministry and it's that form of education, that style of education that, that you can see structurally, that you can see as far as it being a skeleton in the book of Proverbs, we will find that Paul's epistles agree with that order. The content, the, the meat and the, the muscle in the the substance that is put on that skeleton is different because the programs are different however that skeleton structure that is um, sitting forth there in the book of Proverbs Paul's epistles and God our Heavenly Father what he's gonna say to us in this dispensation of grace agree with the format of it not the content but the format and that's what I want to talk about in the time that we have remaining. First of all, when Paul, here in Romans chapter 8, brings up the issue of being sons of God, he is hearkening back, again, to something that he's already previously stated. Look at verse 14 in Romans 8. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now this is besides in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ, 
describing him as his own son, like in Romans 8 verse 3, this is the first time Paul's brought up the expression, they are the sons of God, in reference to believers. And that terminology, sons of God, has great reference and grounding in the scriptures of the prophets in the Old Testament. And then he says, verse 15, in fact, when he states it there, he expects, and what is implied is we already understand what it is to be a son of God. And that that understanding that we are already to have, because he doesn't explain it in great detail here, is going to lead Paul to verse 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of bondage again to fear is what he's been talking about for, for the last three chapters in regards to not being under the law, but under grace. And that's what he's, that's what he's explaining here. He's, he's explaining the functionality of the law and the functionality of grace. And we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption. That's what God's grace provides us is the spirit, capital S, of adoption. But he doesn't explain what adoption is. You understand what it is in contrast to the spirit of bondage again to fear, but he doesn't describe what it is. And then he goes on in verse 15, he says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The first, the first uh, uh, verbal expression as far as a response from God's grace other than that of faith and faith alone, which isn't a verbal response. It's a, it's a response of the heart. But the first verbal response that the Apostle Paul gives in the book of Romans, before he even touches really upon prayer, he brings that up in, in Romans 1, but he's going to talk about prayer again here in chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27. And he says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And that expression, if you were going through your scriptures in a sense and sequence, is not first dealt with here in the book of Romans, but by the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God himself, in the gospel accounts at the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he's about to be crucified. And therefore, I just bring all that up because the implication here is you already have an understanding from your reading and your study of what it means to be a son of God, what it means to have received the spirit of adoption and therefore, why you would cry, Abba, Father. Now, come with me one chapter ahead, Romans chapter 9. If you didn't pick up on all that, when you come to the next chapter in Romans chapter 9, Paul talks about the adoption in connection with Israel's program, in connection with Israel. Look at Romans 9, look at verse 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption. And therefore, you would have a link of understanding some basic elements of what adoption is from Romans chapter 9 in regards to to whom pertaineth the adoption the Israelites if you want to understand some things regarding adoption go back in Israel's program now Romans 9 10 11 especially and the book of Acts has have taught us a change of program so there's going to be some things that are different however by default of the usage of the term, both in the context of Israel and in the context for us in Romans chapter 8, 
there's a link there's a connection there's a similarity and in fact when you get back to Romans chapter 8 and you start looking at what he's going to describe in verses 16 and 17 regarding being a joint heir with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together and you talk about the glory and, th- and that has its own connection to the issue of reigning in life by one Jesus Christ and the Lord Jesus Christ has his, has his connection to David there in Romans chapter 1 you're starting to you're starting to bridge any gaps that there might be you're starting to make the the proper links and connections to where you're supposed to go back in the scriptures of the prophets to find some information about the adoption folks you have to understand that an Israelite under the law was waiting a, a, a believing Israelite under the law was waiting to be delivered from the law and to receive the adoption. They knew that there was more to God than what they had under the law. And they were waiting for that. And they were anticipating it, expecting it. They knew in regards to his plan and purpose with them that there had to be more. And in connection with us, we've received the spirit of adoption. And therefore, there's a link, there's a connection. Now, as we looked at already, that link and connection is in regards to David. And David only wrote so many books and is involved in so many books. So basically, you have the, the narrowing down of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, of Psalms, Proverbs. Um, his son, Solomon, is involved in that. And Ecclesiastes and the Song of Solomon. But when you're looking at the specific issue of ruling and reigning, and you're looking at the specific issue of adoption, being a son of God and a father educating him, leading him in some things to rule and reign, folks, there's only one that gets the job done, and that is Proverbs. Now, we've already looked at this before. In the time that we have remaining, I want to make some further connections or further things that would uh, provoke your thinking. Proverbs chapter 1, and look at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Well, a king is in a position of ruling and reigning. And it's the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. My understanding, the first nine chapters of Proverbs is David educating his son Solomon. And there's a reason, because of the terminology, my son, my son, David's educating his son Solomon when you get over there to chapter 10 it changes the Proverbs of Solomon a wise son maketh a glad father and, and, and there's a shift in perspective but notice in Rome, or, sorry, Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 through 6 there's kind of an introduction and then there's a paragraph marker in verse 7 if you don't have a paragraph marker that's when a paragraph is started and there in verse 7 and so in verses 1 through 6 there's a packet of information very general but what it provides for is an understanding of the format and the structure of how David is going to educate his son Solomon look what it, look what it says verse 2 to know wisdom and instruction to perceive the words of understanding to receive the instruction of wisdom justice and judgment and equity to give subtlety to the simple to the young man knowledge and discretion a wise man will hear 
and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now, there's a lot to deal with, but just for time's sake, look at the four identifying markers of perfection or of growth and maturity. Verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple. And then he goes on, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. You know, Paul talks about those four identifiers in his epistles. In fact, when you get to the end of Romans, come with me to Romans chapter 16, Paul talks about the simple. Romans 16, and look at verse 17. I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. He utilizes the same terminology over there back there in Proverbs to identify those in the body of Christ to describe their level of maturity and their their um, vulnerability to be deceived. And that's what some go out there to do. They deceive. You can go over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and see the issue of, is there not a wise man among you? Over there in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he, and he says, in understanding, be ye men. Over in Ephesians, he talks about that we are no longer children. A, a child in the scripture can also be identified as a young man. He's, he says, but that we would be a perfect man. What you have is a structure of, of growth and maturity in wisdom and understanding and the things that are set forth. And this is the way David is going to educate his son Solomon. This is the manner in which God the Father is going to educate His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the manner in which God, our Heavenly Father, is going to educate us as sons of God that we are now under His grace and the dispensation of grace. Now, what specific wisdom, what specific understanding, what specific justice and judgment and equity, and what specific content is going to vary and differ because of the different programs. But nevertheless, what you're going to find is Paul's epistles agree, whether he knew this or not, they agree with the structural skeleton format that's sitting back here in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. And what that's doing is providing an education for Solomon to rule and reign in the nation of Israel and what this is going this this structure is going to provide for us to rule and reign and and what Paul's going to his content his rule and reign in the heavenly places. Well folks, our time is up once again. This is all we're going to deal with in regards to this, but there's a lot more to it than that. I hope that you'll give a hearing to these things that these things will prime your mind and your heart uh, and fill it with uh, an earnest expectation for us as we go through the book of Romans on Sundays to reach Romans 8, to see these things in more detail and cultivate in you a heart and cultivate in you a mind that is compatible and consistent with the Apostle Paul's that led him to cry, Abba, Father. And to see this as such a grand thing to be involved in, 
a wonderful thing to participate in, to gain instruction, to gain information that equips us to not have life. We have that by faith and faith alone, but to reign in life, all under God's grace. Well, we'll talk about another issue next week. Until then, look up.